for a lot of new listeners, I guess there is a sort of sometimes, you know, thought process, well, my property's not positive cash flow. Well, the answer to that riddle, of course, is you need to go through the journey. And the journey takes time. It takes a, 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 a decade plus to, to see your real estate end up paying you income. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today's show, it's the last show of the year. It's always a cracker, the last show of the year. We do the UPI Awards. Yes, the Urban Property Investor podcast has awards. We're going to find out who the biggest golden gopnik is of 2023 today in this episode. If that sounds riveting, well, you've come to the right property podcast. But hey, welcome back regulars. I hope you've had a brilliant year. I hope 2023 was uh, special. I hope you achieved something you wanted to achieve and had uh, an experience that uh, made 2023 a year to remember. And of course, uh, many new listeners have jumped on to the show. So thank you for being a new listener. If you um, have enjoyed the program this year, make sure you leave a review uh, cheeky review would be a great Christmas gift for me. But I tell you what, um, you know, if it's your first time tuning in, well, hey, welcome to the last show of the year. And of course, if you uh, want some lessons on real estate, you're more than welcome to go back in time because there's plenty of lessons that I've done throughout the podcast on real estate investment. And I hope uh, some of the tips and strategies of 2023 have paid dividends for you as a property investor, my regular listeners. I love making people money. And of course, uh, if I can do that through property, that's my mission in this world. But I tell you what, I'm propertied out. And yes, I'm not even here. Even though you're listening to this podcast the magic of podcasting allows me to do this before the date. And I am no longer here. Yes, I am gallivanting around Asia. I may be in Malaysia right now doing stuff. God knows what. I'll be in a little fishing village drinking uh, sneaky beer and, and eating strange food, just uh, hiding from the world, so to speak. I think we all need a bit of a break. And I'm certainly... Uh, one of those people that lives and breathes real estate. When I'm not uh, awake thinking about real estate, I am literally asleep thinking about real estate. I love it. It's changed my life. It's allowed me to live the life I want. It allows me to live a life with purpose. Real estate has done so much for my world. I literally could not have what I have without real estate. Um, and I'm blessed to be part of this awesome, awesome industry. But I tell you what, this is the last show of the year. It's the closest show to New Year. So I like to remind people to not be a prude on Christmas, uh, sorry, New Year's Eve. Don't be the prude that stays inside. Go out, go see some firecrackers. Have a snog at 12 o'clock. If you do not have a partner, find one. Snog them. They may snog you. 
Uh, do what it takes to have a, a memorable end to 2023 and let's light up 2024, I say. I think it's going to be an awesome year. I think we're going to see uh, some great things inside of Australian real estate. And of course, if we think about 2023, it really was the year that a lot of people became positive cash flow from their investments. I mean, the rental growth was insane. And again, for people who perhaps went on the journey of property investment and started 10, 15, 20 years ago, really 2023 has marked the year whereby a lot of people's properties have ended up positive cash flow. And for a lot of new listeners, I guess there is a sort of sometimes, you know, thought process, well, my property's not positive cash flow. Well, the answer to that riddle, of course, is you need to go through the journey. And the journey takes time. It takes a, 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 a decade plus to, to see your real estate end up paying you income. And of course, you're going to get capital growth along the way. So 2023, what a year. What a huge year. And I have to say, I kind of like inflation because of what it does to rents. Because I know that uh, when the cash rate comes down, I don't think I'll be putting my rents back down. I think the aftermath of inflation, the aftermath of interest rate rises will be here to stay and primarily uh, will be passed on to the tenant marketplace. And of course, 2023 was the year that the real estate market suffered some losses, but then made some gains. I mean, we had a circa 7% downturn in property values and then a 7% upswing in property values. Uh, by the end of the year, which is effectively a couple of days' time, uh, the real estate market will be up more then it has been down. It will end the year on a high and across many marketplaces, we now are seeing a new price record, a record high, a record new starting point to take on 2024, the new cycle as it stands. And of course, 2023 was the year we basically saw population growing pains, didn't we? Wow, so many people. People living in cars at the end of the street. Wow. I did the car episode. Everyone reached out about the car episode. Man, people living in cars in my street. Everyone's telling me how many people are living in cars because we have a population crisis. We have a demand crisis, which obviously links to real estate. And of course, uh, 2023, the great supply crisis as well. Just not enough product being produced to much volatility in the production of real estate and uh that's going to lead to some pretty serious, I think, consequences in 2024, whereby big population, not enough products, you put two and two together, usually equals results. But uh, 2023, really, the year of the Matilda, yes, uh, the Australian ladies soccer team was really probably the best performing sports team of the year, let's face it. And uh, I believe Matilda is the word of the year, according to McCrindle. But uh, the other big thing for me in 2023 had to be AI. I mean, I know it technically popped in 2022, but wow, 
I love robots. I love chat. I love it. I talk to it all the time. And I think it's uh, a great tool for the world. I think we can all be more productive having a robot assistant. And uh, certainly 2023 was the year of a new revolution. You know, we've had the industrial revolution and now now let's face it, it's the AI revolution and it's just the starting point of uh, what will be an exciting future, which is uh, amazing to me. But uh, regular listeners would know at the end of every uh, podcast year, before I go on break to be a little fat sausage and run around the world, we do some awards and... uh, We like to do some awards just to obviously award some of the uh, strange things that do happen in economics and property. And of course, I like to start the awards with the Great Bubba Vanga Award. Now, if you're not familiar with Bubba Vanga, Bubba Vanga, of course, is a clairvoyant from Bulgaria and uh, she lived many moons ago. But as a clairvoyant from Bulgaria, as you do, you make predictions year on year as to where the world is headed. Yes, you've probably heard of Nostradamus, but have you heard of Baba Vanga? Well, I'm a big fan of Baba Vanga. I think uh, she does a great job and she certainly got some predictions right in 2023. Her 2024 predictions, she's got some doom and gloom for us, which of course... Uh, is pretty usual of these type of predictions, terrorism, natural disasters. Uh, She does have a strong dragon becoming the world uh, superpower. And I guess that could be China or India, the strong dragon. She does have a, a US president actually suffering an illness and dying. Wow, could that be Sleepy Joe? My... Uh, my better half always says when she sees Sleepy Joe, he's half dead already. Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to these things. She does have uh, the Russian president being assassinated, which sounds uh, sounds charming, doesn't it? But um, hey, maybe that's the thing. The you know there was that uh, thing this year with the Wagner Group and all that. Maybe Bubba's a year out. I don't know. The best thing Bubba has is a cure for Alzheimer's. So. Hey, maybe that comes out in 2024. But as we know, Bubba is uh, is the clairvoyant of the ages, and so we do need to have the Bubba Vanga Award. The award really is given for, uh, you know, I guess a thing that did happen off the back of Bubba Vanga. And, of course, we did have COVID, which Bubba, predicted she predicted the worldwide pandemic and i'm going to give the bubba vanga award to the federal government for not actually having a royal commission into covid yes covid was not serious enough to actually dig into all the faults that occurred during the covid situation the lockdowns uh the state governments uh acting like uh you know um crazy people, um, the health minister becoming the leader of the country who was effectively not voted to be a leader. None of that is going to be uh, explored. 
because we're not having a royal commission. Yes, we may have a royal commission into uh, other things, but apparently COVID is not good enough for the royal commission. So the Baba Vanga Award goes to the federal government. And of course, we have other awards here at the UPI uh, last show of the year, and and I love the Golden Gopnik Award. For me, it is the greatest thief of 2023. And, uh, you know, drum roll, who was the greatest thief of 2023? If, you, if you're not familiar with Gopniks, they run around stealing things. They steal handbags, uh, they wear Adidas tracksuits, smoke cigarettes, have rat's tails and steal stuff. So uh, we need an award for a thief. And I think the Golden Gopnik of 2023 in Australia has to go to Alan Joyce. He literally robbed Qantas and left. And let's face it, that has ticked off a lot of people. A lot of people. Um, One of our favourite brands has been robbed by Alan himself. And of course, uh, it wouldn't be 2023 without the Karen Award. And I have to say, Karen, of course, was that famous lady who uh, complained about walking around the block in Brighton, Melbourne, a very affluent suburb. Of course, uh, ever since then, if your name is Karen, uh, you know, you're cursed. But let's face it, was Karen really that bad? Who actually is the winner of the 2023 Karen Award. I'm going to give it to Dan Andrews. Dan uh, has left the building and like a little whinging baby, actually cancelled the Commonwealth Games. Uh, Now, hey, look, this has never happened before. To agree to do a Commonwealth Games uh, uh, in your home state, uh, to, to win a Commonwealth Games... Then to, at the last moment, pull the eject button. So for that whingy, whiny, little sneaky move, Dan Andrews, you are the 2023 winner of the Karen Award. Now, just a few more awards before we uh, crack on into the real bones of the show. So if you feel like switching off at this point, please don't, because there's some good information to come. But the... Next award goes to the Four Horsemen Award. Yes, as you know, in economics, there are four horsemen that can meddle with your life. The first horseman is politicians. Second horseman is the regulator. Third horseman is the reserve bank. The fourth horseman is the banks themselves. So when we think about who has been nice to us as property investors, Really, uh, other than the winner of the Four Horsemen Award, uh, the others have not been too bad. The regulator, the major banks, and the government has not been that bad to us. I'm going to give the award, drumroll, the winner of the 2023 Four Horsemen Award is Philip Lowe. Yes, even though he is no longer the governor of the Reserve Bank, the fella left a mark on Australia by simply just raising rates constantly. And uh, I don't know if you can say it was handled that well. I think there perhaps was better ways to shock the economy into the slowdown that is needed to control inflation. 
I don't think it needed to be dragged out. I think we could uh, certainly have got to a point where we uh, could have got to a lot quicker and a lot cheaper for people's back pockets. So there you go. And of course, it wouldn't be the UPI uh, awards if we did not have the Lake Weirdo Award. Yes, the weirdest place you can buy real estate in Australia. And I'm going to give it to Queenstown. Yes, not Queenstown, New Zealand, the beautiful Alpine village. No, we're going to give it to Queenstown, Tasmania, a moonscape desert. Yes, uh, you win the strangest place to buy real estate in Australia today. So there we have it, the award ceremony for 2023. I hope you agree upon the winners. I know it was hotly debated here uh, with uh, the Urban Property Investor crew, but let's get into some more serious stuff. 2024, the property map, what is going to unfold? Well, certainly I think the conversation is around a flight, a flight to affordability. Where is the affordable prop properties? Where are the affordable products? And I think a lot of people are going to be gunning for them. Sometimes in real estate markets, you have a top-down effect whereby the most expensive real estate goes first and then the least expensive real estate goes last. I think the market's inverted. I think some of the most more affordable real estate will start to grow first and some of the most expensive real estate will uh, will basically um, stay stagnant. I think there's a big gap between the top of the market and the bottom of the market. And I think the bottom of the market is going to uh, play a bit of catch up. So that's good news for property investors because typically property investors tend to own investments that are affordable. They're linked to affordability. Now, uh, without question, when it comes to the economy, we are going into a period within the economy of really just stagnation, I guess would be the word. It's going to be a very um, stagnant economy. You're going to see GDP growth at circa 1% to 2%. It's not going to be, uh, you know, as crazy as the last three years. And probably that's a good thing. I mean, if we go back to the end of sort of 2019, start of 2020, all the way up until you know this point of this conversation, it's been a roller coaster, man. Like the market's gone bonkers, uh, rates, interest rates, inflation. Like we've literally had the kitchen sink thrown at us, and now it's fair to say we are going into a, just a more normalized economy, uh, a growth rate which is you know very, very, very limited. Um, but by OEC economic outlook uh, forecasts, certainly not a recessive economy. The inflation rate has peaked. It's coming down. Um, it spiked, but it is coming down. And, uh, you know, the last CPI inflation data has shown a downward trend on, obviously, things rising in costs. And I think 2023 was the year that Australia... Uh, at a broad level, finally understood inflation and the point of wealth creation. Because if you do not have assets that keep up and even beat inflation, then you fall behind within the rat race. 
Now you can go back to my earliest ever release of a podcast. I said this day was coming. The Australian middle class is gone. We are split in two, have and have nots. And, uh, you know, effectively your role as a human is to make sure in a capitalist society you are keeping up. If you think capital is important, if you think um, living a good life is important, you have to keep up and beat inflation. Now, the other thing that I think is fair to say is we have seen the best of rate increases. Most major banks believe we're at the top of the cycle now. Uh, One of the majors thinks maybe a quarter of a percent more, but effectively, we will not see the money cycle get much higher than where we are today. And uh, as such, the next time the Reserve Bank meet is in 2024 in February. Uh, Many predictions such as Westpac's uh, cash rate prediction have the cash rate dropping in September 2024, coming back down by a quarter of a percent. And most interesting though, by June 2025, Westpac has the cash rate at 3.35%. NAB has the cash rate in June 25 at 3.85%. So 3.85% is the 30-year cash rate average. And so typically you're borrowing money at sort of 5.5% if the cash rate's 3.85%. So good times ahead when it comes to obviously paying mortgage costs. But it is also fair to say we will see a spike in rents, which we'll talk about as well. So there's a lot of pros to 2024. I'm, I'd say there's more pros than cons. Certainly yields are going to spectacularly grow uh, still. Uh, government has done the, you know, pro first homeowner move. I think we're going to see more Anastasia Palaszczuk moves. I mean, the fact she's won the Golden Gospodar Award, I'm sure other premiers would like to win that award as well. Um, we are massively undersupplied, which is obviously a pro to property investments, a game of supply and demand. Tax advantages are back. I mean, uh, anyone who earns a half-decent wage has not been able to offset the high amount of income tax they pay. And quite often, you know, you hear people sort of bag out the concept of, um, you know, uh, I guess, people getting a tax deduction from owning an investment property and providing housing for someone. And I kind of disagree. You know, at the end of the day, you know, there's marginal tax rates in Australia and, um, you know, some people are paying, you know, uh, 47% tax. Other people are paying 30% tax. How's that even? Uh, Just because you earn more, why should you pay more tax? Well, that's how it works. That's how it works in this society. How do you... Um, how do you, uh, you know, offset that? Well, if you provide a property to an Australian to live in, you get an offset which reduces your tax. To so effectively, what the government says is, uh, you know, if you can afford it, help someone else out by buying them a house to rent, and uh, we'll lower your your tax threshold effectively, and you'll be off to the races. And of course. 
you know, it's fair to say when the cash rate was virtually zero, everyone was positive cash flow. So there was no tax deductions. You were just paying more and more tax. Now tax deductions are back. Massive pro for 2024. Massive pro. And of course, uh, the long-term migration plus short-term migration is a massive pro for Australia. No deleverage. We're actually getting a brain gain of smart people coming into the economy, multiplying effectively their skill into the economy and uh, providing growth, which is which is fantastic. And of course, Australia is blessed to have the wealth effect uh, around the corner, aging population with huge amount of wealth passing that on. And we still have things like the Olympic Games to look forward to, which again, I think is, uh, yeah, going to provide a lot of of uh, reasons as to why the Australian real estate market is going to do very, very well. And of course, leverage is not a problem. You can borrow money. You can borrow money. Real estate markets tend to struggle in a deleverage where it's very difficult to get a leveraged product to buy real estate. Today, you can get a 90% loan, 95% loan. Uh, Some first homeowners are in it at close to 100%. So no leverage issues inside of real estate. And of course, uh, when we analyze the debt level of Australian real estate, 10 billion in real estate, 20% of that is debt, which is a uh, healthy LVR. So the Australian dream is out there. Just takes a little bit of know-how to go and find it. Certainly 2024 is going to throw out some cons though. The interest rates at the start of the year are going to be uh, a lot higher than what people would like. Entry costs to Australian real estate, you know, for the right property in the right street, in the right neighbourhood, the right design, the right look and feel. You know, the median, the average is up there. Today, the average Australian real estate is over 900,000. Uh, the midpoint, the mean median is a little bit lower. But uh, again, you know, uh, if you want to keep up with society, My advice, stop thinking about it. Just get investing. Obviously, inflation is still a uh, trigger point for people and it's not down to where the Reserve Bank needs us. And of course, uh, you know, there are economic risks that, um, you know, could unfold in 2024. We could have a spike in oil prices. We could have a weak Australian currency. Uh, And Australians, of course, could effectively start to go into a shell and, um, you know, spending could, you know, effectively dry up and uh, people could stop consuming, which is kind of unfolding now and is the purpose of the higher interest rates. The beautiful thing about higher interest rates is it is now a lever for the Reserve Bank to uh, push the economy to a point where it slows it down and then pull the lever of reducing rates to find the balance point of where it wants the economy to settle down. Now, you will hear language such as soft landing, and that is really the goal of the Reserve Bank, is to almost push the economy to the brink of where it slows down and create a soft landing. Now, if I was to break the economic cycle into sections using inflation and GDP per annum growth. It's really six sections. You've got an inflationary environment, 
you've got a stagflation environment, which is just basically inflation coupled with very high unemployment. You've got recession, which is, again, high unemployment, but no GDP growth. And then you've got controlled stabilization or a balance sheet recession, which is effectively a economic recession, but it's so mild, it's so it's it it lasts for six months that it 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 doesn't create a lasting problem. And then you've got the soft landing, and then you've got re-inflation. In other words, the government starts to go bonkers, spraying money left, right, center, and all of a sudden we have the same inflationary issues that we've we've just come out of. And so uh, 2024 is really the point where we go from uh, that inflation spike to the soft landing. And if we miss the mark a little bit, the controlled stabilization effect or a balance sheet recession to economic uh, basically quarters in a row, which constitutes a a recession, uh, you will find that the Reserve Bank pulls the lever and drops rates a little bit, um, you know, harder and faster, which guides us back to the soft landing. So, you know, some people say, hey, it wouldn't be such a bad thing to have a little bit of a a bloody nose when it comes to uh, a controlled stabilised recession. Uh, and, And really what it's designed to do is get demand out of the system. When there's too much demand in the system, too much money is chasing too fewer goods and that creates obviously the inflation. And uh, too much inflation's not great for everyone inside a society. It really does create uh, future problems. So, hey, I think we'll end up at a soft landing. If we go to controlled stabilisation, that's fine by me. Um, obviously, I think we're miles away from stagflation and recession, and we're miles away from reinflation. Uh, you know, a high growth GDP per annum economy. Um, so we're nowhere near a high growth economy. We are a low growth economy um, supported through population growth, effectively, and that low growth is going to be one one point three five to to one. Uh, and three quarter percent per annum growth at a at a country level. So the country is going to grow by sort of one and a half percent. Let's call it. So you've got to grow by one and a half percent to keep up with what that is. Now, when there are flat times of economics, I find it the most difficult time to coach people because human beings really love a bit of drama they love like stuff happening and um you know uh, wild swings in ups and downs what's probably harder is just boring and stabilized and stagnant because real estate doesn't soar in value um and um you know it just chugs along and of course most brains uh, have a cognitive bias to negativity. 
And uh, it's quite often referred to as the disposition effect. And I think in 2024, there will be the disposition effect. Uh, Quite often, sometimes it's referred to the fear of loss is much, uh, it triggers people more than the opportunity of gain. And uh, again, I think um, for a lot of, 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 people who are having a realisation into how long the journey of real estate is, uh, they may get triggered by this kind of, wow, the, the economy's boring, there's nothing happening. Um, you know, why am I paying a mortgage? Where's my capital growth? All of those kind of, 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 of conversations are going to, to happen. And of course, um, you know, um, the old silver fox says, you know, real estate is... Uh, you know, it's a journey. It, it, it's not an event, right? It, and it's so true. It's, it's, you know, buying a property is an event. Making money out of real estate is a journey. You got to go through 10, 15, 20 years, 30 years of, uh, of heartache and pain and interest rates and, and um, changes in the economy and, uh, and, Tenants and renovations, it's a journey. If you think of real estate as just a, a, a point, an event, you're just going to, yeah, you're not going to end up where you want to be. Let's face it. You'll have this disposition effect and um, you'll start to go, oh, what am I doing this for? And that is really your brain's cognitive bias towards negativity. But I want to assure you, 2024 is really the year that you shut out the noise and you'll win a a battle. And for most economists, they agree. Real estate is pretty simple in its form. It's a game of supply and demand. And 2024, we're going to see continued robust population growth. More migrants, more families having kids we're going to see a diminishing continued level of construction for residential properties. We're not going to have the supply coming through. So we're going to have more demand than there is supply for somewhere to live. And as such, really uh, a article came out in the Fin Review of forecasts for home prices nationally. Um, and this stuff can bounce around um, you know, and changes all the time. But man, like 10 economists came out with predictions averaging 7% per annum. So the real estate market predicted to move up 7% per annum. Some famous names here, you know, Louis Christopher, I know he's very pro Brisbane, Perth, um, Shane Oliver, AMP. Uh, you've got Samir Chopra, uh, CBRE. Um, you've got Cameron Kusher, PropTech all have a bit of a range, um, but when the Australian Financial Review annualised that range, it was a 7% capital growth forecast for 2024. And of course, some other big corporations have come out with their property house price forecast, uh, which are you know, quite, quite interesting. I mean, one of the big four accounting businesses, KPMG, has come out with some big numbers for a price adjustment by December 24. Melbourne to adjust by 8.5% up in value. Sydney to adjust by 6.6% up in value. 
Perth, 8% up in value. Brisbane, 2.6% up in value. Uh, Canberra, 7%. These are, these are the adjusted forecasters for house price growth from KPMG. And of course, um, you know, uh, Louis Christopher, for example, SQM Research, very pro-Brisbane, has, a, you know, a, 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 a large forecast for that market and Perth. Um, so there's some big numbers coming into the system. And of course, the banks where, uh, you know, can we rely on a bank forecast? I don't know about that. Uh, they haven't been very good in the past. So uh, will they actually get the NAB dwelling price forecast for the future right? I don't know. But NAB's thrown out 5% capital growth across the uh, the major capitals. CBA predicting the same, around 5%, uh, which is pretty good. Um, <clears throat> 4% for Sydney. ANZ, uh, their senior economist, Adelaide Timbrell. Wow, what a name, Adelaide Timbrell. It's a pretty cool name. Hey, I'm Adelaide Timbrell. Yes, well, Adelaide Timbrell has uh, has predicted anywhere from three to four percent growth, and Westpac has come out with a Westpac dwelling price forecast of capital cities combined five percent capital growth, which is pretty good, right? So, some good numbers for twenty twenty four from the Economist, and really, what they're doing is looking at supply figures, demand figures, population movements, and going well. It's really a weighted average to the demand side with a higher population base. So, you know, typically because there is no deleveraging, people will get back into the real estate marketplace. Now, uh, again, these are, these are, uh, are predictions. Um, things change, but ultimately there's some pretty, uh, I guess, overwhelming evidence that, 2024 is going to be not a bad year. Um, but again, I think the disposition effect might meddle with a few people's mind, uh, particularly as investors, because investors are a discretionary thing. You don't need to invest. Um, you, you can not invest and just chill, right? But again, we've seen that, you know, those people that are getting ahead in the world are the invested so what's the rent forecast uh, for 2024? Well, Christopher's housing boom bust uh, report always releases the information of a rent dwelling forecast prediction. And this comes out in November 2023 and effectively forecast till November 2024. And um, man, some good numbers like... Perth's uh, effectively going to do uh, an actual change of anywhere up to 12 to 15%. Its 2023 change was 18%. So combined over a 24-month period, it's, it's effectively a 30 to 35% rent increase in the Perth marketplace. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. And again, like um, this is where property investors need to be very, very vigilant that they are invested because when rents go up, generally capital growth follows. Brisbane has done 12% in 2023 and will do anywhere from 7% to 10% in 2024. 
So, wow, that's a combined 24 months of 22% increase in rent. Uh, Melbourne is done 16.7% in 2023 and will add up to another 9% in 2024. That's that's incredible. That's a 25% rent increase over a 24-month period. Now, that's amazing, right? Like, if you think about it, uh, you know, if you had a $400 a per week rent, it's now $500 a week, which is is just huge. And, you know, I'm probably the beneficiary of these rent increases at the moment because my portfolio is now getting the double rent increase. And I talked about this before. I've now literally, after this podcast, going to the post office to post my property manager a case of wine um, because they got me the double uh, the rents on an asset I own went up in 2023 and now um, by virtue of a rent increase in 2022, which was sizable. It was it was a circa 16%. Now I'm getting another 12% rent increase again uh, and I think that deserves wine because property managers, let's face it, uh, cop a lot of, uh, you know, you know, they don't have the best of times that all the time, let's face it. You know, sometimes they get snappy landlords yelling at them and uh, also, you know, disgruntled tenants. And that's why I've never, ever wanted to be a slumlord. I've always wanted to be a landlord. I've always wanted good assets that people love living in. They love looking after it. They look after it like their home. And they're prepared to pay more in rental value to stay. And so uh, that's my methodology and it's working out very well. And I'm watching my assets fast grow uh, from the rental perspective. Now, again, I mean, Sydney's did 16% 2023, going to do another 7 to 10% 2024. Amazing. Amazing. Um, and again, probably uh, according to SQM Research, the two marketplaces which are going to have subdued rental increases – be very flat, will be Canberra, Hobart, and uh, and Darwin. Canberra and Hobart in particular, though, probably the data, you know, it, it, what it doesn't explain is just how, you know, solid those rental increases have been, you know, up until, um, you know, the last 18 months. I mean, like Canberra, for example, just the rents just got so high that, uh, you know, they're coming off a high base, let's face it. So they kind of grew first and uh, you've now had places like Adelaide, uh, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Perth pay, play follow-up. Adelaide's uh, rents have gone from 12% increase in 2023 and uh, could get another 4 to 7% in 2024. So, wow, that's amazing, right? Like if you annualize the capital city average, 15% um, increase in 23, and around a 10% increase in 24. And I, I'm, I'm experiencing that. My rents are due to go up on the property I just talked about in 24 in January. I'm experiencing the double uh, rental increase per exactly what this report is saying. So it's amazing. And, and again, I go back to the, the position that in September, the cash rate will fall, interest rates will drop, and I'm not putting my rents down. So who wins here? Who wins? The landlord wins because the tenants will pay the 
inflated rate for rent now moving forward. Investors and home buyers will not pay the inflated rate for cash borrowed moving forward. They will pay a lesser rate. So key points for 2024, more rental growth, more population growth, interest rate relief, price growth, higher tax deductions, and a structured move for the flight to affordability. The bottom of the market is going to perform better than the top of the market. And, uh, you know, I just think that's absolutely amazing. Now, every year in November, I do an audit on the five cities plan just to make sure my logic around property investment at a bare ass minimum absolutely works. Now, if you're not familiar with my forex, for, uh, five cities plan, not my forex growth plan, my five cities plan, it's really simple. You know, for most people, they want to retire on a passive income of, uh, you know, $100,000 per annum. To do that, you need around $2 million worth of real estate paid off. To obviously pay off $2 million worth of real estate that spits out $100,000 in passive income, you need to leverage and buy effectively more than $2 million worth of real estate and use the extra real estate that you've bought to pay down uh, the debt on the real estate you keep. So for example, try and buy four properties, keep two, use two to pay off the debt of the other two and effectively go into a debt-free state owning income-producing real estate that spits out the maths you're looking for. So I've always taught the five cities, uh, sorry, the five properties in five cities plan. How does the plan work? Well, typically in Australia, a capital city will have different rates of growth at different times. <clears throat> for example, Brisbane may grow faster than Melbourne. Melbourne may grow faster than Perth. Perth may grow uh, slower than Adelaide. But always what happens is one or two marketplaces are typically doing very well, while two or three other marketplaces are asleep. And uh, 2024, you're going to, you, you definitely will see how the five properties in five cities plan works because we're going to have a faster rate of uh, market growth um, in certain markets over others. And so, uh, however, if you were to simply buy the average house in the five largest cities with over a million people, uh, you would effectively have, uh, you'd be buying the, the, the median valued property in those areas at a house rate, combining it across five different locations, com combining it across five cities. You get a mathematical number. And obviously, if that mathematical number goes on to double in value, you can then eventually end up keeping a couple of the properties and getting that passive income. Wow, that was a that was a that was a roundabout way of explaining the the five cities plan. But uh, I first published the five cities plan back in November two thousand and sixteen. And if you bought one house in Sydney, Melbourne, Perth, Brisbane, and Adelaide, your total portfolio would have been worth three million and sixty thousand dollars when connected to the median house price of CoreLogic's November two thousand and sixteen data. Fast forward to last month's data, November 2023, CoreLogic's house price, the total portfolio of a Sydney, Melbourne, Perth, Brisbane and Adelaide home 
It's now $4 million and 1000 That's $940,000 effective increase on the 2016 portfolio. So effectively, you're about a million dollars up if you had just done the basic level of investing indexed against the median house price of the five major cities in Australia. You're a million dollars up. You're now a millionaire uh, if you did this plan. And I always teach my clients at a bare ass minimum, this is the plan you want. Now, the plan goes back to 2016. Uh, It is now seven years in and it's up a million dollars. So that's the power of real estate. And I know people who for the last seven years have not taken any action and now they're effectively having to build the same portfolio and pay the extra price to get going. But again, down the track, it's it's going to do the same thing. Real estate will continue to rise. You just need to play the game. You need to be part of the game to win the game. All right, folks, that's it. I hope you have a wonderful uh, New Year celebration. Uh, get out there, have a dance, have a snog, see some fireworks. Uh, you know, um, enjoy the evening. Now, I'm off. You won't hear from me uh, for a while. So we've got some awesome episodes lined up, uh, some episodes that uh, are important if you're going to be an investor in 2024. So check them out while I'm snoozing in a fishing village in the middle of nowhere. Right, folks, catch you soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.